0: Today, 30 million people file for unemployment. Most of those are gonna be people in the middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, um, you know, losing their jobs or being furloughed that are not putting out. So now it is just chaos. Have we been kind of tricked, maybe tricked into selling ourselves out to these companies for the efficiencies? You know, is that the right way? And I, I think, you know, right now, that's not the main message, but it really should be. And it's a hard message to consume because no one really wants to take any ownership over this. Even the people, the, the, the companies that are doing it, you know, they gaslight in the media and, and blame everything but themselves. The, the model is get as many people doing the task as possible, uh, hook them in with high pay, and then pull right. the rug out underneath them. And when their pay goes down, put out these huge referral bonuses ranging from anywhere from $50 to $3,000 in some places in LA and San Francisco. So now you're like basically getting money stolen from you and paid back maybe if you get your right. friends and they to do the job. So you see it's like
1: a pyramid scheme. Hello and welcome to the Picture Theory Podcast where we explore landscapes of power, justice, and liberation while searching for useful insights and strategies for mobilizing, organizing, collective humanitarian activism. My name is Jared Kahn, and today on the show I talk with Matthew Tellis. Matthew is a Chicago gig worker who spearheaded a lawsuit in 2016 against Instacart. Recently, he began working alongside an organization founded by Vanessa Bain called the Gig Workers Collective. As always, if there's someone you want us to bring on the show, send me a message at mocha, M-O-C-H-A, Los Angeles at gmail.com. Matthew Tellis, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Can you, um, before we get started on your backstory, do you mind just giving us a brief idea of like what is what is at stake right now for gig workers and just kind of paint us a, a picture Just a broader kind of picture before we go into the details of your kind of life about how you, how you arrived at this story, at this kind of like, you know, form of activism and then also, you know, all the details of, of the demands and everything else.
0: It's actually a really good question. Um, And I actually, as you're asking it, like I came to the answer, I I didn't think of it before, but, um, you know, to answer like what, what, what point we're at right now, it, it's, I think what I used to think uh, in my like four years of doing this, I thought that the point we're in right now was going to happen in about six, eight, maybe 10 years into the future. But with the current pandemic and everything that's going on and the the massive increase in demand uh, of these services uh, of of gig workers and deliveries, uh, it's basically created an exponential time crunch. Um, for not only the population in America, but no, all of North America, all of the world, because these gig right. companies now operate all around the world with uh, freight and shipping and stuff. So I think now we're entering this kind of end endgame um, of where we need to make some very important decisions on what we want the future of employment to look like. We, yeah. you know, and the, the people I work with and have been working with uh, very closely for the, of the last half a decade, this is the the future that we had envisioned far out that we were trying to prevent by utilizing information and sharing. And now's the time it came too fast and we got to go.
1: <laughs> right. So what are some of the pressures that are Okay, first, can you kind of paint a picture of who are the key players just for someone who, you know, obviously a lot of people are kind of in the midst of this, but when they, when they kind of listen, I'm just, I'm just want to see if we can paint a picture of like, you know, who are the key players there's, there's obviously Amazon, but there's, there's a bunch of smaller ones that, uh, you know, it'd be nice to kind of get a sense of what, um, what are all the different ones that people, some of them, people are already shopping using Instacart um, or other platforms. But can you just familiarize us with the kind of key players and what that looks like on a day to day basis? Like what are the, uh, op- yeah.
0: I hear you. Definitely. Um, yeah. Well. You, you started with the, the heart of it. It, it is all Amazon. Um, any action taken in this industry or in the world right now, business-wise, sales-wise, media-wise, is all based on what Amazon is doing. Um, so everyone is scared right now and have been for years of Amazon. When Amazon purchased Whole Foods, there was a mad dash to like, oh no, what are we going to do? Grocery stores, some online uh, retailers, you know, didn't really have the infrastructure to set up their own delivery services to compete with Amazon. And we're fearful that Amazon was just going to swallow them up, which is exactly what is, was going to happen. We don't know yet. So the smaller or larger grocery chains started partnering with people like Instacart immediately um, upon that announcement. And even some smaller companies at the time like Shipt, who was recently bought by Target as their in-house delivery service, there's caviar you know there's obviously uber and lyft and uber eats and grubhub before everyone uh doordash so many um yeah. the lyft, alcohol delivery all the small ones um they all just started popping up to try and get a piece of that kind of buzz uh because you know amazon is a multi hundred billion dollar trillion dollar company some days some days instacart's now at eight <sighs> billion anymore um and they're all just trying to race to get everybody. Not only everybody a customer, but everyone is kind of a weird gray area employee. Um, so then they have full control uh, of everyone. And we can't allow that to happen because it is extremely dangerous. Um, because as history has now shown in all of the stories over the last few years, uh, from just outright like, you know, bugs stealing money from workers to like death, Mm potential murder suicide in the uber world right um it it just it's seemingly unchecked and if no one's checking it then us the workers have to check it and that's what we're trying to do
1: okay awesome yeah that's that is addresses a lot of the concerns that i have as a independent filmmaker i'm on a different uh it's like the similar feeling i've been for the past like you know, seven years or so, I've been doing independent film work uh, off and on. And I know what it feels like to just be at the whims of these. I kind of watch the companies show up like Upwork and all these different spinoffs of the same thing, kind of becoming controlling the middle being being the middle ground between, you know, livelihood and you uh, and your paying rent, basically, you know, And, and it's like, and I can only imagine the same with kind of the rise of Lyft and Uber and now maybe, I don't know if Uber Eats plays a role in some of this, like, cause we're talking oh, yeah. COVID stuff particularly Definitely. now. Yeah. So. And, I,
0: and that's actually another interesting thread that kind of ties in with this, uh, as far as when you're talking, you know, legislation and things, AB5, it does affect every independent type worker, specifically in California, you know, someone making film or musicians and stuff and, you know, these laws are, are brand new, you know, because it's a new type of employment using an old model of predatory hiring practices. But it's, it's a new way to spin it. So these laws aren't there yet. And it is they do need to be hammered into a better shape um, because, you know, I went to film school, uh, all of that. So I do understand it. And yeah. thank you for staying in it, I couldn't. Uh, it was just like you <laughs> said, there's just all this kind of craziness. Uh, I still love it, though. So thank you for what you're doing. Um, Thanks, man. Definitely. Um, it's an interesting space. And I think it preys on a lot of fears that people have and a lot of self-doubt. Uh, as we found with newer companies that are popping up in the shadows um, that are doing it the right way. One I work with personally is called Dumpling um, with my friends, uh, Joel and Nate out of Seattle. They kind of sprung out of all of this negative stuff they heard about these other apps. And, and what they're really doing and have been doing actually quietly over the last almost two years, two and a half years, is hmm. instead confidence in the average person in their community to, that you do have the skill set to go out and, and help your neighbors, help the elderly, help the immunocompromised right now. And and that's what it is. You know, I think what happened was in the early 2000s with the, the Silicon Valley craziness and these influencer culture that we've built now is that people are preying on those fears and, and they're trying to instill this fake confidence in people that I call kind of like this hustle culture, you know, Gary Vee and all these people, and even back to Tony Robbins and stuff where it's like, they're selling words to people that people can't utilize on their own or believe that they can, and then go home and don't do it. Um, but when you actually like keep touching base with people like weekly or daily, you can like hold everyone accountable and you can all kind of rise together. And I think, you know, we need to start kind of changing the direction of that hustle culture culture message and really mean it when we say you're your own business owner or, or you're, 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 you are the CEO of your own life. And even though I use dumpling as like a payment platform, um, I don't have the time to learn how to code and, and build a killer app that, you know, I'm going to use with my like 20 clients, you know, it's just not cost effective. But if there are people out there like the folks at Dumpling that like want to do that and and make a small profit so they can sustain themselves while still remaining a community, um, which is always a risk. You want to grow fast. So you can get more profits, keep growing and growing and growing. That's capitalism. Right. But you got to really rein it in and just understand big picture thinking now because the world does move fast, but you don't have to grow so fast with no foresight to see the future of your business and what it's going to do to your, you know? So there's a lot of stuff going on and it's very exciting, very heartbreaking, confidence getting and, you know, just rise to the occasion stuff, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you touched on a lot of stuff that we could possibly go into, I want to return to kind of growth hacking and scale hacking. This kind of like technique that these companies use yeah. to exploit. Very, very that. Yeah, and you brought them up um, in a recent one of your recent interviews. I wanted to talk about that and and also the day to day life of things. But can you we rewind and just can you tell us a little bit about your like kind of your origin story? How did you get involved with the Gig Worker Collective? What is the Gig Worker Collective, and kind of work us? Through some of that. So we then yeah. uh before we go into kind of all the specifics of how this is breaking down.
0: Right. Yeah, I guess I'll try and give you like the bullet points. Uh it has been a very interesting life, which I guess um, you know, I'm grateful to have that perspective where, you know, I'm out there in the streets and the grocery stores uh all day, every day in the highest uh case county and town in the state, uh, in Des Plaines, Illinois, Cook County, Illinois, we have the highest numbers. And I know why, because I'm out in the grocery stores every day. Um, but you know, the bullet points uh, of the highest numbers there,
1: you're saying? Of of
0: Yeah, very high numbers. Very high. The high COVID or of, of COVID, yes. Okay. COVID okay. deaths, uh, right here where I'm sitting. Um okay. but how I got here is just uh I you know raised in poverty, kinda outside the city, single mom went to college on a full scholarship to university of Illinois and, uh, was kind of breaking out of that cyclical poverty, got a sales job that I enjoyed with uh, a really good company selling home improvement stuff and was good at it. Got hit with a golf ball in the temple at a charity event and almost died. Spent uh, a week in the hospital, have a traumatic brain injury as a result of that. And, uh, that kind of a doesn't really allow me to work a traditional uh, job. I can't really do sales anymore. 70 hours a week, driving all over, you know, tense negotiations, numbers, money, you know, all that. I don't really have the patience. Um, I'm feeling kind of my, my brain kind of just changing a bit over the years since the injury, it's been about six years, five, six years now. Yeah. So I, so as I was, um, you know, healing up, um, I heard about Instacart in 2015 as like a means to an end, find my next thing that was for my new lifestyle and immediately fell in love with it. Uh, my first delivery was like, six bottles of wine to a rich lady in the downtown Chicago high rise. And she took me up into her apartment and I brought in her wine and she tipped me a hundred dollar bill. And I was like, I don't, I'm, I love this. This is awesome. Right. You know, hundred and Like $20 to see an awesome view in downtown Chicago. It was great. And it was great for a long time. It was hard work. Um, you know, delivering hundreds of pounds of water to the, you know, 80th floor of the Sears tower, but then access to like tunnels and, the mercantile exchange and just the free pass that ever all the beautiful architecture in Chicago. And it right. but the internet was so small. There's maybe like 7,000 shoppers nationally and they paid what the job demanded. It was a perfect equilibrium. I was happy. I came home feeling fulfilled and valued. They had a smaller right. customer support team that would call me every morning and like try and talk me into starting a little bit early. Cause we had a, a, a early adopter client that had already done like a hundred orders. And it's like, you know, Thousand dollars worth of stuff from Costco right. to their business. And okay, Ken, like, yeah, let me get up and get some coffee and I'll get on the road. But over the years, they've chipped away at all of that because they've all tried to beat each other to the market. Um, and that's, how we noticed that with Instacart um, in early, late 2016, around Thanksgiving, uh, as they started to grow with the Amazon announcement. So everyone implemented this thing that maybe they're teaching all the engineers at Stanford and other places called like scale hacking or growth hacking. You can read about it in a lot of the tech books. I'm sure it's in uh Wendy Liu's one that I got. I'm trying to finish right now about oh, like, nice. great oh. stuff so far.
1: I need to read that. I'm going to take notes and, and read that book later on.
0: Definitely. It, it's she's great. Um, follow her on Twitter. Um, she came from the industry, tons of good secrets in there. Um, but, Uh, So what they want to do is basically they're they're playing the numbers. They're using an influx of venture capitalist dollars to to spur growth.
1: Hmm. And
0: and what that does is it allows them to spread their reach as far as humanly possible and get that recognition. Therefore, no other competition can enter the market because they're already there and doing it at a subsidized rate for cheaper than anyone could do. But it's not sustainable. And eventually, you have to start chipping away and cutting away at people's earnings, which is always going to start at the bottom. People right. like me, the people doing all of the work. Okay. And, and this is a
1: process of scale hacking, growth hacking? Is This, this is the process
0: you- of scale hacking or growth hacking. One of the ways that they would do it is they take money from companies like, like Sequoia Capital or like Y Combinator or whatever. And they use that to just to get bodies out there doing the tasks. They at the market.
1: minimum without with the least amount of pay. Is that what's happening?
0: Well, at first, no. It's subsidized. You know, they did mean okay. you know 20, 25 an hour. When I first started, I was making 30 an hour, you know, but it was hard labor. It was what used to be a good blue-collar labor job with a back brace in a truck, you know. <laughs> right. would,
1: and whatever. what what uh sorry to interrupt you, what what time uh, what time frame are we talking to when you start? When was the kind of heyday that you're talking about? Right. So and, and the, hey,
0: well, they all use the same business model. So the heyday for any new app is for, and any, and even today, if you start working for Instacart for the first 90 days, they're going to pay you well because they want to get those hooks in. So it's a model on the macro and micro level, but at the macro level, the, the, the model is get as many people doing the tasks as possible, uh, hook them in with high pay and then pull the rug out underneath them. And when their pay goes down, put out these huge referral bonuses ranging from anywhere from $50 to $3,000 in some places in LA and, San Francisco. So now you're like basically getting money stolen from you and paid back, maybe if you get your right. friends and family could do the job. So you see, it's like a pyramid oh, yeah. scheme. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they implement that. And then, you know, it started with Uber and then Lyft and then Instacart and then, like, you know, Amazon has referrals and then, you know, Shift has referrals. And now everyone is having referrals. And Instacart, even just last month, like when we were at the height of the panic of the COVID 19, um, you know, media buzz. Instacart literally sent out millions of emails to their customers, knowing that, like, what, 20 million of them had just gotten laid off or furloughed, saying, hey, you want to deliver for Instacart? Like, that's pretty gross. Uh, You know, I I don't I don't I don't agree with those tactics because, like, it doesn't cost Instacart much money to send out an email blast. And then all that like free labor they're going to get because of it. And they're boasting in in the media that, you know, they've hired on already over 200,000 people, mostly in New York and, and California, where. You guys are on like we're all on you know like double like stay at home orders, uh, and so it's just right. reckless, and dangerous, and they they are unrelenting and won't give up. And uh, we got to do what we can to to help them see kind of the way that we, the community, sees it.
1: Right, and and when, when during this process, like after you kind of started to leave that first ninety days. Um, what was the experience what, what were you experiencing then? And what kind of, how did you, what did it look like for you? And just in case there's any other gig workers who are working out there right now and they're kind of like, Oh, you know, I'm actually, I'm experiencing, I'm, I'm living pretty well, you know, whatever it might be like, what is it? What do you think it takes and what did it take for you to kind of start to turn and get organized or, or look toward places for you to organize?
0: Right. Okay. Uh, So again, yeah, it's a very, it's just so complex and it's so silly because it's just delivering food and groceries. So so complex. So me personally, I I adopted and found Instacart early in their history. So for me, it wasn't just 90 days. It was like almost a good year of like good, hard, fun work and unfettered access to the city. But when, you know, Amazon bought Whole Foods and Whole Foods was most of my orders through Instacart. At that point, Instacart wasn't going to be able to do Whole Foods orders anymore because Amazon kicked them out, right? Business. Yeah. Uh, So at at that announcement was when everything started to go downhill for for me personally working with Instacart. And I think Instacart as a business in general, because that's when they started kind of lowering rates, using trickery to get you to do more work for less pay. Um, So that's with any app. So like, you know, that's why we're kind of really keeping this new dumpling delivery app kind of really close. I'm I'm working with them, uh, you know, not on a on a paid basis, but just as friends because I love what they're about and what they're doing, and, and just kind of trying to be that angel on their shoulder. Maybe sometimes they're a devil saying like, "Hey guys, what's our what's our main goal? Let's 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 not follow the, the model." And as far as I'm concerned, today we're good, and they're awesome, and I'm so grateful to to be able to use it as opposed to a, a service like Instacart, which is now too good, big for their own good. Um, but for anyone okay. joining the app. Um, it's always going to be that rose-colored glasses for the first ninety days, because it's literally baked in the model. And the are, only are thing you talking
1: that, about when you say joining the app? You're talking about any basically anything except any for app. probably if you join or,
0: today, any app for the, your first about ninety days, give or take, different for every app. You're going to be the happiest you've been in a while, and then you're going to notice a, a, a bottoming out and a drastic change that you're now working longer to make the same amount of money that you've done. It's it's basically like a, a circle within a circle. Big business model, little business model, and and then so so we we've always found over the years since we've been angry about getting our pay taken. Me, Vanessa Bain, Sarah Clark, so many others, uh, but they're just the main women that I've been working with for four and a half years. They're my family now, my big and little sisters. Yeah, uh, can you
1: can you hold on that note and just tell us a little more about we the, got that,
0: how we found each other? Yeah, because yeah, we who,
1: who are uh, the people who are involved? And yeah, because I honestly I only know th- about your website. I don't really know right. the people. I just kind of know the general mission statement. But right. I'm and sure most listeners all, don't. So
0: yeah, at this point we're all family, so we're almost like tired <laughs> yeah. of talking about ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, so like Instacart made a big announcement around Thanksgiving or um, in 2016 that they were going to remove tipping altogether from the platform of Instacart at that point in Chicago, like tipping's a huge deal. We're a big, you know, service industry culture. So tipping was a big part of my earnings. You know, I was getting tipped hundred dollars on my first delivery, you know, for six bottles of wine. So I was like, no, uh, why? And they tried to explain it that like, well, people are complaining that they're not getting tipped. And I knew that was a lie because we had a small shopper community that like, we had organized on Facebook just to share secrets and trainings and different helpful things at that point. And they made that announcement. We're all like, "Well, we don't really trust that because we're all making good tips. We don't hear any complaints. We're actually on the streets doing this. Who's doing these complaints about no tips?" Instacart couldn't provide any any evidence of that, uh, and we revolted and said, "We're not. We're going to go on strike." And at that point, because we're such a small company working for a smaller company, the seven thousand of us, we had a lot of power. And they basically said, "Okay, fine, fine, fine. Don't strike. We're going to give you tips back." But because the people in charge are poor of a meta. Ravi Gupta, all these guys, um, you know, from came coming over from Amazon and 20 other failed startups, they are children. They retaliated against us. They cut the default tipping to a minimum of 5% and then put a waivable 5% service fee on there and buried tipping in the app. So we just started wow. yelling on Facebook and social media. And the loudest voices me, Sarah, Vanessa, uh, Janelle, Brian, all these people that have come and gone over the years. And, and the last three standing, um, you know, are, me, Sarah and Vanessa, mostly Sarah and Vanessa. They did so much work over the years. I'm just kind of rejoining them again after some time away to work on personal stuff and, you know, basically put my own oxygen mask on first before, you know, jumping back in. Um, you know, so, uh, essentially, um, they've so that been
1: process just to go back that process you're talking about. That was a tip baiting process.
0: You no, know, no, that was basically. And Instacart, no, tip tipping is kind of new in the media. This was Instacart was basically not going to allow customers to tip in the app at all. They were going to collect it as a fee, okay. and Instacart said they were going to redistribute it as higher pay to us. We knew that wasn't oh, going to happen. I see. So me, Sarah, and Vanessa started organizing over like Gmail, um, right. and Drive, and Instagram at the time. We had fun pictures and stuff. We riled the troops to get messaging out. We started talking to journalists up from BuzzFeed and TechCrunch. Carolyn O'Donovan was amazing back the, in uh, those early years for us. Uh, Cyrus Faviar, now at NBC, he was working for Ars Technica. He did great, like detective work for us. Yeah, Ray at TechCrunch, Kara Swisher, um, you know, protege. Um, they were just uncovering all this crazy nefarious business stuff uh, from these companies, um, Uber and, and Instacart specifically, um, and, and we just kind of really they allowed us to get our message out there. They gave us me, Sarah, Vanessa, and everyone working behind us, supporting us, with us—a platform to talk about it. And and and. What year had, was that? Sorry to
1: interrupt up. you. What year? What year are we talking here?
0: 2016. Uh, 2016. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I have all the old emails still. Um, I was looking through <laughs> yeah. the other day. They're so cute. Uh, we were all so young and naive, and you know, full of uh, piss and vinegar. You can see what they said. They used to say. Um, <laughs> all right. We still are probably more so um yeah. because we've learned a lot along the way uh, we're family now we love each other we share resources we share information we send each other gifts uh you know right. scarves pictures and all kinds of stuff it's amazing i'll never uh forget them that we'll always be together um i've never right. met them in life <laughs> <laughs> we own video conferences and Oh, now okay.
1: That's what I was going to ask you is, is what cities are you in? Are you in the same yeah, city? I'm in or?
0: Chicago. I, I always have been. I spent a little time in Colorado, but they're out on the North Coast, uh, San Francisco, Palo Alto area. Um, okay. We got people in Iowa, um, New York that we are in daily communications with and threads, Seattle, my friend Ashley, who just uh, got hired on as a dumpling coach. So we have like business coaches and kind of like making sure we have all these awesome things for people to do. And they're just great people, such a supportive community. You know, you, 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 you see a lot of other organizations and a lot of like behind the scenes drama and things and they kind of fall apart. But like, I don't know, this, there's something special about these, these ladies, um, they're <laughs> yeah. hard, uh, they are the, some of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. And I, my mom is the strongest lady I've ever met, but they're a close as a group, like yeah. really close second to my own mom. Uh, uh, they're amazing. All the work that they're doing.
1: Yeah. Well, that's incredible. So, what is the what are the resources that some that a that a gig worker, or freelancer, or somebody kind of has with the gig workers collective, or or like what have right. you kind of gotten from it? Like, what does that work look like? All the work that's being done. So
0: the work, yeah, the work looks like a lot of communicating, a lot of typing, uh, a lot, yeah. um, a lot of messaging. It's all about the message, you know. Um, you're right. ready to rewatch v for Vendetta maybe tonight or tomorrow. I haven't seen it in years, but like you can't kill ideas you know, Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to like assassinate a grocery shopper, but in a way they kind of are killing us. So, you know, it is that serious. Um, But the biggest part of the job is just messaging and getting people to commit to real action. That's always the problem is getting a commitment for real action. And I think because a lot of people are sitting at home, a lot of people have a lot of emotions and are scared right now. uh, uh, One of the kind of I guess silver linings, pure victories is that like a lot of people, have a lot of time to kind of do some soul searching and think of what they really want out of what future we could have when this is over. Right. Uh, so we're now seeing, um, you know, Gig Workers Collective and hopefully the other organizations doing what we're doing uh, are seeing a lot more buy-in, a lot less pushback, a lot less kind of like like that hustle culture, like I'm getting paid well, I don't need you guys, don't protect me, I like, I like this, I don't want to change it. We'll talk mm-hmm. to that person 90 days and they can come back. They can go to gigworkerscollective.org or any of the others and, and just start there and do some research. And if research is difficult for people, which it is, I'm, I with <laughs> hundreds of people every day. Research is really hard. Yeah. I get that. it's not easy for a lot of people. So then, you know, reach out to some people that maybe you trust their opinion and, and they can provide information based on with facts and experience. Yeah. You know, that's thank you for letting me come on because I have experience and i I'm not really a. I don't have experience in a lot of other things, but I have experience in delivering groceries in the gig economy. And uh, I think it's important right. to, to say what I know um, and what I've seen and and what I can prove. Yeah. You know? right. So just getting yeah. action and getting the message out is the, is the hardest part. And the day to day is doing that.
1: Yeah. I was shocked when I, when I saw your interview, I was like, wow, there's a, there is a, you know, there is a part of a resistance going on and organizing in this space? Of, I mean, obviously, are you familiar with the Freelancers Union
0: at all? Uh, heard vaguely. Yeah, um, definitely familiar. Um.
1: I don't know much about it uh, myself, but I just know that that's I've, I've always kind of known, OK, that's one of the resources out there for this kind of in-between economy, which is now It's not just in between. It's, it's becoming especially with the covid pandemic. We know that a lot of people what I can only imagine is going to happen is that people are, you know, massive unemployment for traditional labor will create this kind of in-between labor that we're seeing that you know in between tradition and
0: the solution's already out there though. You know, like like the solution is give people the personal confidence and and a little bit of a push and skill set. Let them set their own rates, let them choose their own clients, and we can all kind of create that like not so much like barter communistic socialistic society that people are fearful of, but like, hey, I'm good at delivering groceries. You're good at doing this. Like We all in our little community kind of do do these services for each other at a fair rate. And and, and that's how we need to work. You know, it's not working like like me getting my rates and my clients dictated from an algorithm that was coded by someone from an area that doesn't even know my lifestyle or my customers. And like, again, like a company like dumpling, if we keep them as they are and allow them to grow within reason as demand grows with like a microscope and make sure that, you know, we're not talking about trying to sell ourselves up for advertising dollars or customer data and trying to sell it for billions. Just enough to have a comfortable life. You know, like with not crazy stress that you're going to starve to death or be homeless. You know, what's the number? Seventy-seven thousand. Um, that's com- I don't even make that. I'm comfortable, but I live in this van. Uh, you know, that's just I'm I'm weird. I'm lucky like that. I love it. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, again, that, that, that's speaking from I got definitely a place of privilege. Um, you know, I get that. Um, but you know, I, I, just think that there is a right way and we're going the wrong way and we just need to get the message out that I, I mean, it, it, is it a good or a bad thing that everyone's going to be in the gig economy in the next now to five years? I thought, like I said, at the beginning, eight years, maybe, uh, objectively it's neutral, but as it stands right now, it, it's, it's a bad future, man. Um, but the, <laughs> there are already models for a good future if we can't prevent it from happening. So, like, we just need to be 24-7, every minute, every business decision these apps make or a, a potential new app down the road makes. They have to, it literally, it has to be a minute-by-minute minute decision of where are you at? What are we doing for our communities? What are we doing for our frontline workers? And how can we utilize and work together to have healthy growth while supporting everyone in a good, like, symbiotic relationship? It's possible. I know it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it's that there is a future that is possible as well. That is not going in this direction, but a di- much different direction. And that's, I'm curious before we get to kind of the solutions and and everything like that, because I'm really interested in also, um, talking with people looking at from actually all the way from farm workers and labor in, in farms, looking at that all the way to what you do, you know what I mean? And kind of tying those stories together, but what I wanted to ask you was, what does your day look like as a shopper? Like when I, when I heard you say the word shopper on your first interview, I think it had to be a little bit explained because I, I think of myself, I, you know, as a, I think of like there's the people who are shopping. And so the term, I wasn't familiar, but it clicked right away. So maybe you can describe like the identity of a shopper and what, what are the kind of things you have to deal with on a day to day basis with like everything from tip baiting to you have to go and wait outside stores or what does it really look like?
0: Right. So um overall, what the job is is hopefully exactly what you do when you shop for yourself. You make a list, you put your shoes on, you get your car, you get on public transportation, you go to a store, you walk up and down the aisles, you you know do your thing, you grab your items, you go wait and line at checkout, you bag them up, you get in your car, you get on public transportation, you go home and you consume them, right? That's grocery shopping. All right for most people, right? So that's that's the job. It's as easy as that. Uh-huh. But what happens With these apps, is this weird control kind of issue, a numbers game, algorithm becomes a mathematical equation. And granted, yes, everything can be distilled down to a mathematical equation when we're speaking in the macro of the universe, but we got human beings, feelings and personalities and lights and families. So we can't think of it that way. So what a a day in the life of a current Instacart shopper is going to look like is they're going to wake up and they're going to open up their Instacart app and Instacart's going to say, hey, you have 10 orders that you could choose from it's an on-demand algorithm that based on your location in a zone or an area they'll offer you up to 10 orders with the full pay listed for you where the store? what store uh not where the customer lives anymore which is very dangerous and also a tactic they use to get you to say yes without knowing where you're going And then how many items, units, and then what the tip is on that order for a total amount that you would make if you chose to accept this order. Let's say you accept this order. Average order right now is going about $32, but it's like 45 items, which is 45 unique grocery store things and like a hundred units, which is like multiples of that same item. hundred units
1: per average per order.
0: Yeah, about yeah. People are trying okay. to you know get everything right now because, and that's kind of the best thing to do. Like, don't hoard, but get like two of everything or three okay. if there's space, so you don't have to keep going out right. and putting your risk or shop That's kind of like what you should be doing. Um,
1: so that's kind of an ideal. It's ideal for it not to be a bunch of tiny yeah. well, orders.
0: Well, Ideal would be to have all the grocery stores go dark, have the federal government subsidize deliveries for every single citizen in uh, (laughs) America and only allow experts like myself to go in and out of the grocery stores and the grocery workers already in there to be able to do it ourselves and be paid a living wage to do it for our communities. That would be the ultimate goal. (sighs) We could have been doing that by now if we had started four months ago and we should have. But, you know,
1: whatever. Uh, no, no, I, I, so, uh, I am I want to hear your vision on that too. i I'd, um but I don't know if you want to transition there yet, but, but I, I really go, like the specifics you were talking yeah. about there. Cause they're kind of like dollar amount of an average order people might see, you know. Yeah, so get yeah, back to what, the day to
0: day of an Instacart shopper. We'll finish that. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll they'll pick an order, let's say it's for thirty-five dollars, twelve of that is from Instacart and the rest is a tip from the customer, which is a percentage based tip based on what they ordered. So if you can't get okay. all that stuff, that tip goes down or they can remove it altogether within three days of you delivering the order, which we're seeing an increase in because people just want their deliveries. They have so three days it,
1: to decide whether to give you a tip.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, 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 edit it, to take it away or add more. Mostly it's to take it away. Wow. Um, okay. So uh, one second here. Um, sorry, your audio got a little weird for me right there. Oh, my bad. It's a little vague.
1: You, how's um, it? How's it sound now?
0: Um, it's good. I can hear you. Um, so okay. So the the Instacart shopper will accept an order with like a lower payment from Instacart. The rest will be made up with a customer tip. And it, you go to the store. Mostly, you'll be waiting in line to get in. If it's you know they're they're doing social distancing, uh, I've seen lines anywhere from two people upwards of hundreds at, in Trader Joe's at Seattle in seattle uh instagram is a shopping trader joe's but you know people there's lines that are that long uh, costco they're going in like at off hours to shop there's long lines of costco still but you'll go you'll wait in line uh you'll swipe to start delivering and you'll see the items and you'll just shop the items trying to you know stay six feet away from everyone in the store and the grocery workers and you'll go to checkout you'll wait in line you'll get the groceries bagged. or bag them yourself you'll pack them up you'll go to the customer's house and hopefully put them on their doorstep um and not like hand them but you know, companies like Instacart and other, other delivery companies, they don't provide people with the necessary training to like do these the proper way in today's times. As far as the proper PPE, we're seeing Instacart's PPE they sent out broken, damaged. It's not PPE. It's like cut T-shirt. and So it's very dangerous, basically, for, for new people to start doing this right now without doing their due diligence. And like I said, it, a lot of people just, unfortunately, don't don't have access to good research or don't think that they need to do it or, you know, believe face value what these companies are telling them or they just don't have the time to research it, which is understandable. Everyone's stressed. Right. Um, and And that's kind of how things,
1: that's kind of how this kind of like oppression and kind of this, you know, whole mess happens is that you just get this panic and then the workers kind of get pushed to the side. And what can you describe a little more about the, the protective equipment? For
0: yeah, yeah, so and I called this a couple weeks ago. Um, Instacart and the other gig companies have never been known for doing really the right thing or like giving the full effort to help people that aren't in the corporate offices. So, uh, we kind of knew that you know they weren't going to initially do anything for us because we technically are independent contractors, and to them, if they were to help us, it would be like treating us like employees. So, ultimately, they're just thinking from a legal standpoint to cover their own butts. Um, but is it the right thing to do? No, like you have at that point, you had 300,000 shoppers nationwide that were going into some of the most infected places outside of hospitals and still are to this day and will continue to do for the indefinite future, at least in my opinion, 18 months. So like do something, send something, make a training video that they can click on in the app before they, they can start their day and say, Hey, as a representative of Instacart, when you enter the store, here's what you need to be doing today. And make them watch it every day. If I own the company, yeah, you're watching this video of me personally doing this for you every day. This is how you do it if you use Instacart. Here's how you're going to grocery shop. And I'm going to do it for you right now. And you can't use my app until you do this and watch it. So like, they could have done something as easy as that. you know. And all they did was do nothing until we started going to the press and doing media and shaming them on Twitter. And it you know, worked right. to an extent because they promised to get us stuff and uh, technically they did get us stuff but it was literally like cheap cut t-shirts from walmart that like maybe some interns were sitting at desks for like a weekend straight just like literally cutting with scissors and like they packed it all together with no caps on the hand sanitizer which was like 65 percent, which is like the lowest you can use right now like my i myself had sourced my own moon eighty 80 like from my <laughs> local store i didn't have to wait yeah. for instacart so i was like gin and i'm driving all day so i don't know how safe it is but um, all right, all right. <laughs> But like, you know, people are showing on Twitter, like they're, they're twisting out the hand sanitizer out of the mask because it broke during transit. And then they promised thermometers, you know, so you could like take your temperature because someone saw in China, you know, they're doing digital thermometer reads for everyone, which they should be doing. I do that every time I go into retirement home. You have to. It's, it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. People can take Tylenol or like, you know, pretend they're not sick to make money. They have to. You no, know, I get that. I don't agree with it, but I get it. But it's like a, they the sent a little the reptile, system, right? reptile tank thermometers that no instructions. You just, what do you do with this? You know, it, it literally yeah. really looks exactly like the thing I had on my own gecko tank. So they're not doing They're doing the bare minimum. And actually I posted to my local shoppers in Chicago and our like private Facebook group, like, like doing nothing probably would have been better than what they did, you know? And, and we called it. We said that what they were going to do There's proof like there's video of literally me saying it. And it's just, I want to be wrong, you know? I, I want to be wrong about, about these things uh, it could, because if I'm wrong about these things, then that means people are protected and people are actually going to have a good time. But if I'm right about these things, then it means that these companies are still doing the wrong. thing. And that's, you can't have that. So right. that's like the day in a life of Instacart shopper. They just sit all day looking for batches and it's cutthroat and there's people running scams and doing it in teams. And there's whole families out doing it. Kids with no masks in the grocery store. There's people that drive in from like Gary, Indiana, you know Michael Jackson's hometown. It's like known for systemic poverty. They drive through the city into uh, the affluent suburbs of the like the North Shore to deliver groceries with their family, and it's like heartbreaking. And they they don't have access to PPE. And and in Chicago specifically, we're seeing in the South Side and in, in uh, Northwest Indiana where that's the highest skyrocketing cases of COVID infections are are, are African Americans because they don't have access to PPE. And they don't have access to proper healthcare. And and then Instacart's gonna go and prey on these people for seven dollars an hour or less. Right. It's just at that point it's, it, it's, it's criminal to me. you know, these, these are, this is my community. This is my city. Uh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Uh, and if me saying this, like help someone else who's maybe better at this than me rise up and do it, please. Like we need everyone to be aware of this because people are literally dying now. Uh, you know, we don't have the numbers from whole foods cause they're not union, but like grocery workers are dying. Uh, Instacart isn't doing them any favors. By right. by hiring everybody to just go in these stores and, and carry this virus as potentially sick people or asymptomatic uh, super spreaders like what got Seattle. No one's no one's no one's calling bullshit on it. There's no oversight. Uh, the, I mean, some of the governors are stepping up, even mine, Governor Fritzker, you know, But like get someone on Instacart, man, like there's 200,000 new shoppers in here and they're like getting into fistfights in the parking lot. And I have managers at my local Mariano's like coming up to me with the corporate number. Like, hey man, like I saw you on the news. Can you call corporate and tell them what's going on with these new Instacart shoppers? They're ruining our lives. Like, wow. and like, what do you do? Like, I can't. Like, I don't want to prevent people from make earning a, a living in in a pandemic and a potential probably depression. But like, we got to do it safely, and and we need people to stand up, and we need people to look, to call bullshit. We need people people to 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 to, to yell about it. I don't know. You know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. I get worked up about it because like, it's literally all day for me.
1: Um, No, this is, this is really, yeah. You know, you've put a really kind of, you have a pulse on exactly what it looks like and the, can you hear me? Okay.
0: No, it's like, I don't know. I got, I had a phone call and then like the audio kind of went weird. Kind of
1: went out. Okay. Hold on. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that stuff. A little more, yeah, if you're no, comfortable. I mean, like,
0: this is all, like like we were saying, this is all connected to not just, like, you know, food delivery or groceries. Like, you, you, we had talked about, um, like you said, in the videography world, you know, there's different services that you, you put your stuff on there and you're working to get the highest rate while the customer is trying to put your rate down, it seems. I, I haven't used them, but it sounds yeah. very similar to the business model gig economy. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, what we had said, it, it, um, at least at the end of the day, the question of personal ownership of, have we been kind of tricked, maybe tricked into selling ourselves out to these companies for the efficiencies, uh, you know, right. the efficiency of not having to find your own clients or or anything and just like basically just mindlessly say yes to work, you know, is that the right way? And I, I think, you know, right now that's not the main message, but it really should be. And it's a hard message to consume because no one really wants to take any ownership over this. Even the people, that, the, the companies that are doing it, you know, they gaslight in the media and, and blame everything but themselves. They blame us you know like well we we're just a platform they choose to work for us they don't have to work for us i, uh, I mean <laughs> if you are going to get kicked out of your place in a week or two like and you you're not running to the mall to get a job to sell jewelry right now so like what other options do you have so it's like right. it, it's a too you know like it's it's and, right. and we have to try to find a way to give the folks that feel like they don't have another option to not sell their, their labor for such a low rate and to be tricked into doing so and, and you know i myself you know i feel like you know i had worked for instacart for three years when it was terrible but again i, I come from a place of privilege where i don't have kids i don't have like a crazy family where i don't have property or house i live in a van with my awesome partner and my dog and we just deliver groceries and and mess around you know like we, we don't want much out of life but some people do want a lot they want a family they want a house and If there's someone like me who's willing to do this job for like just enough to have a nice comfortable life then like that should afford you know textbook if we're going back to what America was founded on you know you know capitalism like if I'm willing to take less to live and be okay with that you know and someone else should be able to make a little more so they can have a kid you know to take my extra you know and that's the kind of what I'm trying to do personally and like if other people can just like feel that that they can have the confidence to do that and not want 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 and you know want that 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 eighth yacht or whatever like you know people are right now quarantining on their huge mansion yachts or something i saw like oh yeah a lot of people that don't want that you know yeah
1: this is the billionaire class that obviously bernie campaigned against and that kind of runs is the right-wing nationalist uh hyper-nationalist you know kind of you know i mean this is this ties into the white supremacist kind of movement that's happening right now and you see it happening they're railing against the idea of of uh, of all of these ideals of social practice that are like that are, uh you know that are happening we've got socialism for the billionaires but we've got this right. kind of hyper competitive hyper uh rugged individualism for the rest and of us if you're aware
0: of it it's it's fascinating to watch it happen to like us you know our neighbors you know our, some of our family members maybe you know it, right. it's just like but uh, you know ultimately under that fascination is obviously a panic and fear because you know uh, it's maybe like 200 people protesting to reopen the States right now, but like, that's all you see. And it's not real, you know, like, um, so like, I don't know, like you, 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 you mentioned uh, race and stuff. And I think that's an interesting aspect of this too, because like, actually now it's very interesting, um, that we're, we are seeing a, a kind of turn in the business model. At first it was kind of preying on immigrants and, well, first it was like preying on like cool early adopters, you know, like, Oh, I deliver for, or i drive for uber you know like they make movies about uber drivers and i deliver groceries for this cool young app called instacart or oh i'm a shopper but like you know then it turned into this turn and burn model and, and what they did was they they wanted to get more of like the systemically impoverished people and when they ran out of kind of that and uh and couldn't pay them low enough then they then they brought in the like immigrant workers um and now what we're seeing is they're bringing in two different groups they're bringing in people who have uh like felonious pasts because they've uh, waived background checks, which all felons should have fair access to work, 100%. Um, right. But you know, if someone was convicted of like a, a, a sex crime or something horrible, um, I don't really think they should be delivering groceries to someone's homes. That's just my personal opinion. Um, so like Instacart right now is saying like, you know, when you sign up to Instacart, there's one question. Have you been convicted of a, a felony in the last seven years? If you just click no, boom, you're hired right there. Like it's on Twitter or there's proof. Um, right and then now they're also hiring so they're hiring like people who are like newly released from prison or can't get work anywhere else which 99% of them probably amazing folks want to do a good job but the risk of the bad thing happening you gotta have some protocols in place the other side of it we're seeing now just today 30 million people file for unemployment most of those are going to be people in the middle class upper middle class lower middle class upper lower class which still exists i'm part of it um (laughs) you know who are Um, You know losing their jobs or being furloughed that are not flooding the app. so now it is just chaos I mean like I said earlier about stores and the managers running up to me knowing that I'm a voice in the industry For some stuff like this in some way shape or form not anybody, but I'm yelling Um, You know save us because there's like so many people in these stores that don't need to be there uh, And aren't like taking proper protocol to, to keep everyone safe. They're just it's just sheer panic for dollars,
1: right? and this is the perfect time for kind of voices like yours to be in the front of the conversation i feel like because we're going to have to confront this idea of all the things that this covid crisis has has really that were already in crisis but now it just accelerated them and i feel like what your what the gig workers collective is standing for at least from my perception of it is like that we've got to rethink what what do we mean by labor? What do we mean by uh, whether we're organized as as workers? Even and it, and I think this premise of like people are already against unions in traditional workplaces, but imagine now the workplace has transformed because of all the you know because of the internet and technology and all that stuff. So my question is, what does it look like to you? What is What's a possible one possible path that you can imagine? Is it the unionization of gig workers? Is it, you know, what is it, what are some of the things and the strategies to get to that path as well?
0: So great question. Um, <laughs> I've because this is let's just like run wild. Um, so as far as like for organizations like Gig Workers Collective, you know, professionally, um, ultimately it boils down to, we just want these to, to be able to hold these gig companies accountable to do the right thing and put some verifiable objective numbers and data and proof that they are without any spin on it and that is we want fair pay um not just like market rate because you know delivering a sub for uber eats is not like delivering 600 pounds of groceries You you can't do really market rates these things are very different um you know protections for now and when this is over protect your employees your people that make you your money um and ultimately, you know, obviously the, the, the sick pay protocol um you know specifically for right now, but ultimately, you know, we want we there's 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 two different groups which is what makes kind of statements like this a little bit dicey because I don't claim to speak for every single independent contractor or gig worker in the country or the world. Um
1: Yeah, yeah, just speak from your yeah. own per- perspective.
0: Yeah, some want to be employees, some want to stay independent contractors, but I I mean, I personally I it's it's very nuanced. So where I'm at personally, I would like to see just burn it all down, start something new. You know, I, that's the kind of guy <laughs> I am. I don't think we we have good bones. I don't think we have good bones uh, in what we got going.
1: And, now, when you say burn it all down, can you just kind of, you feel free to go into that? You know, just right. like what does it look like? No, what is no, the hyperbole? it? How, what does yeah, that yeah.
0: look like? Um, what, what that looks like is just um, get the awareness out there and motivate better. Like use use the tenets of capitalism against them. Okay, so that's kind of what I'm trying to do by helping Dumpling for free is giving them all of my information because I like them. I like the guys. i I know them. I talk to them on the phone every week. I love helping them. They help me, you know, uh, that's now, how I'm being right now.
1: Can you describe, yeah. sorry to interrupt you again. Um, can you? I just want to, before we go too quickly on this part, mm-hmm. can you describe what what makes dumpling unique? What is dumpling even? Because I think right. most people uh, probably well, don't know.
0: That, well, dumpling is, right now, the best answer we have to your question is what does the future okay. look like? And the future, I believe right now, that it is possible and sustainable yeah. and the most ready to go for stage is dumpling, which... At the end of the day, I've started looking at it a little differently, and I'd been there from the beginning when Dumpling actually was started as kind of like a glass door for the gig economy. We had a large group. We have a large group of Facebook on Facebook of, uh, of Instacart shoppers, and um, a guy from Seattle uh, named Joel uh, Shapiro and his friend Nate uh, Deanna came into the group because they had saw some of our media and read some of the articles about what Instacart was doing to us at the time. And we're like, that's crazy. We want to help. We created this like website. It's like Glassdoor, but for just the gig economy. You guys want to help us utilize it and put your opinions out there. And we actually have a meeting with Instacart, um, you know, just kind of see how we can work together. And they took that meeting. Instacart doesn't really do meetings like that anymore. And Joel and Nate came back from that meeting and said, holy cow, they're not going to change. They don't care. Um, They're just focused on them, not you. So we're going to regroup and we're going to come back. So like a year later, uh, Joel reached out to me, uh, well, a couple months later, Joel, Joel reached out to me and said, Hey, Hey buddy, we're, uh, we're, we're pivoting and we wanted to create a competitor app. Uh, Joel and Nate had done Instacart just to see what it was like. And we're like, this is not the way to do it. And I, then I built a relationship with Joel over the next year and a half, you know, having like sometimes monthly conversations with him about, you know, what, what the average worker would need to be successful and happy, uh, delivering groceries or whenever, um, in the industry that, you know, more and more, it seems like we, we can't prevent. So might as well be prepared for it. Right. And so he started, he got a little small team together, still a small team, like, like seven people, uh, 10 people still amazing. Um, doing so much work. I don't know when they sleep, but uh, little bare bones app. Like I was one of the first people to sign up for it. I got my first client like two years ago. I don't even think to this day, she still knows that she was the only one I was shopping for for, for like a year. Oh, um, wow. I'm just yeah. <laughs> the card because like you have to market yourself with it it's just basically just a payment platform you know okay. it allows you to put in your rates you know a uh, mine right now is ten dollars to shop for you anywhere and then I have a default setting of a 20 percent tip because i come from a waitress waiter family that's fair to me for risking my life if you want to tip less you can but i get to choose if i shop for you in the future and not on that platform there's like people can bid like basically put in an order and like okay. i don't have or a robot saying you have to shop it now this hour right now these things at this time at this place it's like it's my neighbors like it's Rhonda from next door to my grandma like can you go to costco for me and get a big tub of butter and uh, a bunch of um jelly smuckers sandwich thing <laughs> right so you don't have to go i'm gonna go. So and you set your lo- own, oh, go
1: sorry
0: yeah yeah you set your own rates you do everything and you even you you know uh i'm I haven't had to do any marketing because Instacart is basically marketing for me by failing. It's right now about three to five days out on Instacart delivery. So it, it forces other people to look for alternatives, which is basically like the tenets of capitalism, right? Like you, you, you're not the best anymore. You can't get access to it. So you want to seek out something that is good or better and does the same thing and at a better rate. And Dumpling can kind of do that because they don't have like like the investors demanding money or VCs demanding like, you know, so many returns constantly. And they're not really worried right now about like an IPO, you know, or like Saudi Arabian money. So they're able to make decisions from their heart and their mind, as opposed to from like you know their bank account right now. And I'm grateful for that. We just grew from 700 shoppers like just a month ago to over a thousand. So like right. that's like people actually downloading the shopper app to start their own businesses. And like you can say you shop for dumpling, but like mine's called the Grocery Guy. I'm the Grocery Guy. Like I have a Facebook business page called the Grocery Guy because. For the last four or five years doing Instacart, whenever I would show up to my regular house, the kids or the mom would be, grocery guy's here. So, like, hey, that named my business. Oh, I'm not go. the dumpling robot. I'm the grocery guy with my own business. I created my own LLC. I have my own delivery van. I have a fridge in here. I have a sink that I wash my hands at. I have my own PPE. And like I think even when the pandemic's gone, people, there's a thirst for that. You know, people want to know that Matt, the grocery guy, is knows my diet, knows my family and is going to go to the store down the street and get me my food. I'm going to pay them a, a fair tip or rate. The payment platform is going to get their processing paid for and a small fee on top of that to sustain themselves and their families. Joe Joel has kids and a wife and a home in Seattle. It's not cheap to live up there. and I'm perfectly okay with them charging me a small fee to use their payment platform because I don't just use it for grocery shopping. You can do it for getting takeout at, at your local mom and pop diner and, and you know, $5 and a 10% tip for that because you don't want to drive for Uber eats and get taken an advantage of you can, you can use it or you used to be able to use it for like an Uber ride. You could do Uber with the app. Don't it's on lockdown right now. Cause you know, they're responsible. They they don't want people using that to maybe potentially spread illness. And, and by keeping right. it a little bit collective, um, you're able to kind of make sure that the quality still stays. And if you build a, a family relationship, like we have in our Facebook group and you have like free coaching available with like, professionals like myself who like guide you and mentor you like like the history of employment has been founded on you know mentorship blacksmithing or metal shop or baker they all had apprentices and we don't have that anymore it's like go get youtube and learn it yourself you little shit but like you know some things you know you want to have someone to kind of show you because it's efficient and quick you know right and something allows that And, and i've been able now with this pandemic and Instacart failing horribly, uh, my community, I've been able to completely leave Instacart behind, focus full-time on my own grocery guy business, using Dumpling as a platform, while maintaining my relationships, making a fair living, and being able to actually donate my services to tons of people and, and still being able to pay my car payment and my gas and food for myself. And I feel actually it, it sucks to be, to, to, to be able to say out loud, but I'm actually in the best position in my adult life that I've been in a long time. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. That it gives me the opportunity to be able to donate my services or help people because I know so many people are panicking right now. I, I graduated college in 2008, like, and I never recovered. <laughs> like, yeah, so yeah. me, I'm like, I'm max. I'm trying to maximize every second um, where I have this kind of head start. Kind of, I can play catch up. Actually, not head start. Everyone else is kind of on pause right now. That's allowing me to play catch up to the rest of the world. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, like put my own safety mask on. I've done that. And now it's time for me to, to use my set to help as many people as I can with a reason. And, uh, you know, I think dumpling and that model of employment really allows someone like me and others like me to thrive and do that. Um, so that's the future that I see that is possible right now. And because we're yeah. doing it, I'm doing it every day. You know, uh, I have, I'm, I'm booked out a couple of days in advance already. And people are already putting reviews on and I'm in all these like, you know, M- wine mom facebook groups like there's this local guy he can get you whatever you need and like i feel like that guy in like world war ii that like can get you the steak to the front line you know i have like extra paper towels that i pick up when i can and then if i can't get them for a customer that day like here's some paper towels i was able to find i bought eight of these hand sanitizers you know because a local distillery is like pumping them out and i know wow. that like my not gonna be able to go up to the north shore to get it so i got her one and threw it in with it and now if she needs to go to the get her mail she can Use hand sanitizer or something. And I guess right. people really do that. Like you you go in, you get the groceries, you throw them at the front door, you run on to the next one. It's like a numbers thing. And like this is groceries. This is food. This is the stuff that you put in your body. This is what keeps you alive. Like it's silly. Like it's just grocery delivery. But like we gotta start changing that mentality. It, it's very important what we eat. America's very unhealthy because of what we eat, you know? And you know, I mean, it's probably because there's a lot of people delivering Chipotle burritos to your doorstep, you know, like but there are alternatives and we just got to do a little bit of work. We got to give people a little bit of motivation, just do a tiny bit of extra work um, because we have, I think myself included, we've gotten a little lazy uh, since, since the eighties, since the computer, since the personal computer, especially since the smartphone, since the, you know, now, 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 let me see the story. Let me see the story. we got to just take this as an opportunity just slow down and decide what we want. We have a minute right now to do that and we should take, full advantage I'm trying to do that and I, I think others can, can do it if I can do it anyone can do it because I I'm I'm terrible <laughs>
1: <laughs> now that's a, that is a really great powerful recap on just kind of your thoughts on where what's possible in the future of of the gig economy and I wanted to um ask you what like as far as so just in in a possible future where we want to keep getting away from these big companies that are that are pushing, pushing against our rights. You know what I mean? What do you feel? What are some strategies that you think that could be possible for connecting different people that are in your same position that way? And let me just contextualize it because I feel like what happens is usually is like a Walmart or an Amazon comes in or then an Instacart kind of follows. And people always see it as, oh, this is just a temporary thing. I don't need to stand up and organize with my fellow, you know, laborers. You know what I mean? My fellow coworkers, because it's, it's just temporary. We're not going to stand up for it. We're not going to organize and therefore we're never going to get any demands met. So maybe my question to you is really how, what does the future look like? Where even if dumpling, let's just say, or a company like dumpling you know, they, they kind of do get the hooks in you and, and it feels good, but then what if something, a policy changes, whether right. it's surveillance tactics, whether it's tips, right. whether it's personal freedom and autonomy, and you do have to unite for some reason, how, how could you, what are some strategies that your fellow or advice you could give to your fellow gig workers?
0: Right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't pretend to live in a dream world. Uh, I don't think that yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have like a utopian society ever. It's just not possible. I've met too many fellow humans, uh, you know, uh. <laughs> Or we're messy um i'm not perfect um but you know you you had kind of mentioned in there that personality type that like this is temporary and that's always been historically kind of the, the toughest nut to crack um because people have so many false kind of beliefs about not only just like society but like just ingrained values from like you know birth or parents whatever their social class and a lot of people do think that like a lifestyle like this is temporary my my Me, myself, I carry carried a lot of shame uh, in those later years of working for Instacart because like, you know, I went to a good school. I have a college degree. I think I have a pretty decent head on my shoulders. And, you know, I'm out here delivering groceries to like potentially like people I went to high school with that, like, you know, used to smoke weed all day and throw rocks at trains. And like, I'm now delivering their groceries. So like, you know, I get it. And I don't don't know. I don't. If I did Instacart like right now after this, I I would still feel that shame because there is there's a stigma attached to it. Um, And I think you know we can change that stigma. Uh, You know I think there's a lot of pride and value. I I because I'm doing it under my own name, my own community. I do feel a huge sense of pride, and because of the circumstances, the environment right now, people are like extra grateful. It's like to feel that extra gratefulness is really good. You know, there's a value to that. And when you feel good and when you feel valued, you, you do better work. You know, that's just human psychology. And the thing is. All these gig economies, they have like they have literal departments of like psychiatrists and psychological businessmen tricking you into thinking something about yourself that is false. I like, mean, trust me, a trillion dollar company knows exactly how you think. You tell them every day with your clicks how you think by choice, and sometimes not by choice. So um I, I think just you know, we need to get people motivated that they're there's a lot of stuff worth. You know, we gotta we gotta build them up, give them skill sets, don't let them fall through the cracks because we've had a lot of people falling through a lot of cracks over the last 50 years. You know, it it hasn't been a great, a great country for a lot of people who who look a certain, come from a certain area. And, you know, I think a, a lot of this has uncovered a lot of those, those like existing festering wounds that we've always had and that we may always have to address and carry with us. But right now is the time to kind of speak up and say, Hey, I'm here for you. You know, like, I'm going to protect you. And if you don't want me to, I'm still going to do it anyway, because here's what I've learned and what I know. And I know this to be the objective truth. You know, this is, it's, it's facts. Like you're, here's how much they're paying you. Here's how much you're working. Like it's, it's, it's it's just objective, predatory tactics. And I, I think, you know, the more people hear about it, the more people will be angry and, and the more experience people have with it the faster they get angrier and then actually do something again, going back to the hardest thing we've ever done is getting the messaging out. You know, it's easy to to type away at a keyboard on Twitter and Facebook, but actually get out there and do action right now. Don't do that. You know, don't get out in the streets. I mean, you can like from a distance, if you want, but safety wise, obviously. So take this time to like learn a skill set or reach out to someone like me on Twitter. I don't hide, you know, I'm available or, or read. And uh, at that point, then there's really no excuse. And, and then at that point, if you're still not on board, then it is up to people like Vanessa Bain or Sarah Clark or these other just amazing people in the industry, um, you know, uh, Wendy Liu, um, you know, uh, Mike Isaac writing an Uber book, or, or you uh, getting the message out with your podcast and your documentaries, or Meredith Whitaker talking about the AI you mentioned. And you know when we when do you think company may come for your your, your data and stuff? And right. you know, if we have a conversation, I might be okay with you know some of the data. You know, I give them data every day. Like here, here's what to do with the app. Here's what you know people are selling. Here's the stores that maybe you should offer on your app in my community. And they're like cool because that helps me, that helps my customers, it helps them. But you know and they're aware and they know who they're working with because I don't again, hide who I am. So like, I don't think Joel ever, like the founders or the CEOs will ever try to do anything malicious without first maybe having a conversation with me because I think if they did something objectively terrible to me or the the community that I shop with and try to help every day, like they know what's coming. Um, but (laughs) we're friends. I hope maybe that won't happen. I don't know. I can't predict the future, but right now I have faith in them, but that could change. Um, but right now, I'm fully behind it, and I'm fully behind the future, and I'm fully behind, um, you know, not going back to the the norm that we had based on predatory psychology and our own personal laziness. You know, right? Just, I don't, don't want to go back to that. And I don't think many people do. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like we're basically wrapping up. But one thing I wanted to find out was if you are someone like someone who's not a shopper. I know we kind of focused on your perspective as a shopper. Mm-hmm. But as someone who is maybe, what I'm really seeing is, and kind of following the attempts to organize or or at least resist, and, and I'm always interested in higher pay for people, and I'm looking at companies like Uber and Lyft and figuring out, like, what are they welcome at the gig um at the gig workers collective? And if so, what can they expect to find there when they, or right. what kind of dialogue, what do you kind of want from them? Or what is your beacon of like, come here if you are looking for. Right,
0: right. Yeah. We were that. just actually the, the group we were talking about that this morning. Um We have like the, the group chat. And we kind of touch base every morning, joke around and stuff, kind of pop the cork. Um And it was a question I had for, for Vanessa and Sarah was like, okay, who are like, how do we, how do we join forces? How do we like, you know, Captain America this stuff or, or <laughs> yeah. Captain Planet this stuff and 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 just really get the message out, like streamline it, you know, get put put personalities aside, put like who's gonna talk on this, who's gonna be in this newspaper aside. And how do we just get like the leaders of these things, these different groups together and say, here's like just the bare bones, you know? Let's let's not get into little nitty-gritty stuff that historically everyone always disagrees over. And I think like we now have this opportunity because we do have like free time um, to do that. And there are a lot of voices kind of rising out from the shadows right now. And I think that's like the next step is like now, okay? there's an org for everything, you know, the Uber drivers and and Instacart workers and and ship shoppers. And now we got, you know, Chris Smalls and Amazon and all the other Amazon uh, workers, Minnesota workers and warehouse workers and we're all now popping up on these islands and we always knew those islands existed. You know, Uber were, Uber drivers were some of the first to kind of really get active. And that really motivated me. And I think I speak for Vanessa and Sarah, you know, the Uber drivers in New York and some of the ones in Chicago here, Lenny Sanchez, um, all of that. And I think now a lot of that kind of fuzz and, and, and fog is cleared and we're seeing these like strong leaders speaking up finally, because a lot of us have nothing to lose, you know? And, and when you have nothing to lose, then you really don't have any fear. And not everyone has to get to the point where they have nothing to lose. I hope, um, but you know, we'll 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 see what we can do. And we're gonna we're all we're reaching out. You know, uh, the girls, uh, the women, the, the the leaders of Good Worker Collective are now now on a call with uh, some other groups, uh, kind of brainstorming, sharing ideas. Um, and there's more calls in the future later today. Everyone's kind of super busy, just trying to, trying to connect with each other and just share the stories and find the find what's common. Um, because like, you know, uh, an Uber driver really doesn't, shouldn't care. I mean, they should care about all of it, but like then, but for them to take the time to get the nuance of what it is to deliver Instacart groceries, really, I don't expect them to do that. You know, I have never driven for Uber, but I know the job. I know you drive, you have a rate, you have bonuses and carrots and sticks that they try to basically, they create more riders on the road at the heart of it. It's the same model as Instacart, just a different kind of widget. Uh, So that's where we need to just kind of remain and just get, like I said, the main issues, coalesce around those, find the strongest voices, support each other and motivate each other to get those voices heard and and help kind of, I don't want to use the word infect, um, but help (laughs) motivate others to to speak up and use their voice because I've met so many amazing people in the five years I've been uh, organizing and working for Instagram. So many talented, amazing people. Like like myself, haven't recovered from the last recession for one reason or another. Like artists, musicians, business people, marketers, like they're amazing people, and they just they lost their confidence. And Instacart continuously takes their confidence because they prey on them and they make them feel like garbage because they keep yeah. them poor. And when you when you're poor in a society built on capitalism like America and the flash stuff everywhere, and you feel like garbage, then you don't have any motivation to go out and start your own business. And they know that, you know, like it's just human nature, and, and it's gross that they prey on it. So again, going back to, we got to motivate people, man. You know, we got to, we got to tell you, you, you have a value, you know, you, you, you're not just here to, to live, pay taxes and die. Yeah. You're here to put a smile on your face. Like you're doing right now, man. Like that feels yeah. great. Like this moment, you're going to, when we're done with this, I know I'm going to like go for the rest of my day and be like, I feel lighter because I got to get all this shit out, you know? Right. And, yeah. We've got to have conversations like this and there's no excuse now more than ever to not have them because you should be at home. And you should be social distancing and hopefully you have access to a smartphone and get on a zoom call from some activist on Twitter with an open zoom call or whatever, a Facebook call or join a group, join a, uh, an organization, put your, your, your burner email into a sign up and check in on it every couple of days and see what's, right. what in, start with something you're interested in, and then it grows from there. You know me, I hate bullies. I think. The CEO of Instacart is a bully. I think those he surrounds himself with is a bully. I'm tiny. The only fights I've ever been with are people that have been twice my size. I won't say if I won or lost, but I try.
1: <laughs> I won't ask.
0: <laughs> um, I just I, I see them as bullies, man. And I can't, I can't let, let them bully uh, people. I can't let them bully 60-year-old women you know, uh, with MS. I can't let them bully you know, Vanessa, who, who, who lives in a shed in her grandma's backyard with her daughter and her, and her partner. I can't let them bully. Uh, I couldn't can't couldn't let them bully my, my friend, Mika Watson, who died last year delivering with Instacart in New York. Um, I, I can't, I can't let that happen. Uh, you know, and I thank God, I guess for Dara that I don't work for Uber because of all those suicides and, and, and the predatory traps, um, that right. trap them with those creatures and causes them to not feel like they should live anymore. Uh, if, if, if I, uh, oh, man, you know, uh, it's hard, it's hard to read about all that and, and, and not want to start smashing stuff, you know?
1: Yeah, no, yeah. What you're saying is really powerful stuff. It's because yeah. it's, it's so poignant for right now because exactly yeah. everyone is, you know, it's unnecessary. Not, yeah. there's,
0: there's, there's enough, you know, there's enough, uh, it, and and there's enough there's just enough death man you know eight pages of obituaries in new orleans and we, last month we saw that in italy like and we're trying to reopen open like come right. on eight pages of obituaries you know right. mostly people mostly black and brown people you know uh so you can't get your hair cut you know it's not even about getting your hair cut it's about the owners of those chairs in the hair salons they want the independent contractors to go back to cutting hair so they can collect their checks to pay their small mortgage on that building or if they even have one and to go back to their mansions 40 minutes away from the city and collect the checks from the hairdressers that's what that's about it's not about getting your hair cut it's not about it's about money it's about profit it's about being expendable versus essential don't let anyone tell you anything different because people are dying and they're going to continue to die uh the longer we let these vocal minority of sociopaths get their way
1: yeah that's that's a an amazing kind of encapsulation and a viewpoint of just on the ground capitalism right now and just as hyper gross. hyper capitalism it's so gross. i, I want to
0: go away, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't i'm not an economist you know i don't i don't know if i it should go away you know i don't know if i would call myself like a socialist or a communist uh, but like it needs to be checked man it needs to be checked it it, it has to to have any chance of survival it, it has to be not even like you hear the term like it's, it's capitalism with a socialism belt like well we need a socialist gastric bypass surgery right now like that's what <laughs> you know uh it, it, it i not do it we're done you know we're done that's it you know they'll privatize yeah. everything and everyone will be in the gig economy and that's it because you know i don't know uh well, what was it uh ned Beatty, howard Beale. you know there is no united states of america just at&t and t-mobile and all that you know they want to privatize everything and sell it back to us at a higher rate uh for them you know they're done with all they're not done with all the third world countries but you know uh it's, the, it's a business model and there's no there's no originality it, right. it, they all gets to the heart of just take resell take resell that's the gig economy that's america that's corporations that's big business that's politicians that's everything and we don't have to go back to that we don't
1: yeah i agree i agree and i really appreciate everything that you've kind of all the ideas you kind of put forth and you're kind of adamant and committed to the cause so i really appreciate that uh yeah i I Like i don't
0: know some days i wish i wish i you know it's it's like you wish that you could stop you know like uh Sometimes it, it it's hard. You know, I, I think I almost lost it like twice during this, <laughs> you know, emotional. <laughs> so yeah, it's taxing, yeah, no, no. uh, There are some days I don't want to say like, you know, commitment. You said commitment to the cause. You know, realistically, man, there's some days I don't want to get out of bed, uh, you know, because it's just heartbreaking. Uh, but yeah, like I said, you know, uh, rise to the occasion, man. This is rise to the occasion stuff. Let's do it. You know, we're going to do it. So, you know, definitely thanks for, for, for everything. You know, thanks for the great questions. You know, some of the stuff I said, you know, I, I don't know, It, it just, that just, uh,
1: came out <laughs> just comes out. Yeah. You got some great solutions in there, but before we wrap up, um, just a, one last question for you. Uh, I remember you, you showed me a book earlier. I usually just want to ask what is one, it could even do one to three or something like that, uh, books that you'd recommend for people to dive into that you are enjoying right now. What's, what kind of books are bringing you joy right now?
0: Ooh, okay. So I got three, uh, I got Perfect. three. The first, <laughs> and this is, the um, tribe a really good book on like how we interact and how we how we act as a species right it's by like, yo vera i forgot the name but it's called tribe, tribe small book okay. short read tribe is there a basically goes over, like the history it? of how we've created society and how we operate within a society and what we could do differently okay. um so that was book and that helps me kind of understand not only my point of view from a worker but like helps me understand like the business side of it and like how we can use social structures to actually kind of all get everything we want. It's just a great kind of, you know, reset on why we make the decisions personally that we do. Uh, Second one, I think anyone can read who isn't in the gig economy, but it will really hit home for people in the gig economy and even definitely people in the tech industry, you know, that are actually like employees, you know, the ones that get to go to the office. Um, Super pumped by Mike Isaac. Um, That's the paradigm. That's the, that's the model for all these companies. Not only they're like what you see outwardly in the PR statements, but in the job, but also behind the scenes, the curtains. Uh, like I said, I came from a sales world. I know the personality type. Uh, so that's why I think I'm pretty effective in in fighting them is because I saw it firsthand. I participated right. in some of it. Um, you know, Fortunately or unfortunately, the universe didn't want me to do that anymore. And the golf ball thing happened. And now I get to use those skills for good. Uh, grateful for that. But you know, super pumps by Mike Isaac. Really good, easy read to kind of just let you know the personality of the type of the owners of these companies and the people who make these decisions. And like, you know, like uh, that will help you kind of understand why like sometimes like even shame doesn't work for them because they really think that they're like the perfect prototypical supervillain. Like Lex Luthor, he thinks he's doing the world <laughs> service. Right. So they're really they operate from that from that psychology, that personality type. You know they 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 and there is rumblings and you you read about like this fake left-leaning kind of liberal ceo or founder but really at the heart of it they're like ann randy and libertarian right wing really people you know right
1: right this it's, is kind of the whole narrative of google facebook amazon etc yeah, yeah. Is, i mean it's
0: just it's a hardcore republicanism really you know joe biden is like a more of a republican and Barack Obama may have been more of a moderate and like Bernie Sanders is actually like an actual Democrat and, you know, we're just pulling that whole scale to the right, you know? Right. Right. Uh, And we got to call bullshit on it because eventually now everyone's right. Right. You know, there's a name for it. I'm not smart enough to remember it, but it exists. That's what's happening. Um, Neoliberalism.
1: Is that what we're thinking of or no? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: that's a big section of it. Definitely. (laughs) You know, a neoliberal is obviously an old fashioned Republican and so forth. It's just obviously all being tugged to the right. And we got to tug it back left because we got to care about, Yeah. You know, (laughs) Um, and then the last book, I'm only through like the first 20 pages. I'm sorry, Wendy, but uh, Wendy Lose Abolished Silicon Valley. Uh, It was just uh, released this week. I ordered it from my local bookstore. It's got an amazing cover. I'm such a design guy. I love it. Oh, Um, yeah, that's great. So, Wendy
1: Lose Abolished Silicon Valley for the listeners. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I'm really enjoying that. I'm looking forward to finishing it. Uh, She actually uh, drank the Kool Aid early on and joined. Uh, the tech world as a, as an engineer coder, a uh, female coder. So like, you know, very hard space to exist in from what I'm reading. I would never know what it's like. Um, I imagine the toughest thing in the world, but, uh, and she kind of like experienced it all firsthand and, you know, decided to kind of change her perspective on it because she saw kind of behind the curtain and knew that that wasn't sustainable and it wasn't the best model. And now she's kind of started her own kind of stuff and uh, hopefully has a bright future, um, you know, helping uh, us kind of survive. Uh, yeah. So those are three good
1: stuff. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. And just to wrap up, is there, can you just point people to where they can find your work and just kind of get involved for yourself personally yeah. and also um, the Gig Workers Collective?
0: Yeah. First up, uh, you know, uh, go to gigworkercollective.org. Uh, uh, you can find that at the website or on uh, Twitter. Um,
1: right. We'll link and, to that too. So, We'll, we'll also, I'll put a link in the description. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then the link's here. Um, brand new, just kind of getting started. We, we were just a ragtag group for years and finally decided to kind of go above board. Um, but if you want more of the unfiltered stuff, uh, you know, that's, I'm kind of, you know, not associated with gig workers. Uh, you can go on my Twitter and just follow me at Matthew Tellus, and that's like a a more of an unfiltered look of my day to day life and my potty mouth and my opinions on uh, a lot of the people in the industry. Uh, and just trying to shame them into doing the right thing uh, or call bullshit on their their decisions. Uh, you can get a lot of information there. I like to repost good information too that's not my stuff. So uh, start there and just do some research.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Jared. It was so much fun. Uh, thank you for getting me thinking in a couple of different directions. Uh, I got an exciting future ahead of us, a lot of hard work, and we're going to need all the ideas we can get. So the questions were great. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it is a very weird topic to be discussing at length. But like I said, man, like, it's so nuanced and so crazy that, you know, someone to take the time. It's, it's awesome. Much yeah. Appreciate-
1: I'm, I feel like I've learned so much too, just to be able to explore these ideas right now. So it's been super useful.